iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Yo, technology, what is it all about? Well, if I can't put this on my wall, like why would I even want to own it? Like forget about the technology for a moment that makes it possible. Like why would I want to own it? I can't enjoy it, right? Even show it off to people or make it a part of my home, you know, that is part of my identity. But I think what that missed was that for a lot of people, their identity exists primarily online already. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from behind the scenes and inside the minds of the top people in tech. I'm your host, Danny Fortson, the West Coast correspondent for the Sunday Times. We have a fascinating episode for you this week. On the program is Matt Hall, who is one half of the two-man design studio Larva Labs. And you may know Larva because they're the guys behind CryptoPunks. You know, the pixelated little cartoon characters that have become just a total phenomenon in the world of non-fungible tokens or NFTs. So last month, Dylan Field, uh, you may have read, he's the founder of Figma, he sold one for $7.5 million. And here's the thing, there's only 10,000 of these CryptoPunks. And many of them are now fetching bids for hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. And Hall and his co-founder have made zero off of all this mania. All of the CryptoPunks that have been changing hands, they gave them away for free back in 2017. However, what they did do is keep a thousand. And I found out after we recorded that next month, they will be selling nine of them in an auction run by the auction house Christie's. So chances are good that the Larva guys who have helped launch this whole NFT mania are about to walk away with, I would guess, at least $10 million, probably more. And they have hundreds more of these CryptoPunks. And again, this is something that they kind of created on a lark four years ago. They gave virtually everything away for free. And for years, not much happened. And now, well, now. Hey, it's 2021. Um, so that's what I wanted to have uh, Hall come on to talk about, just how he got here, what he did before this, why he has become a believer in NFTs, and just the reality of sitting on digital assets that are suddenly worth tens of millions of dollars. So that's what we cover. I think you're really going to enjoy it. It's just yet another uh, revealing look at what is happening in the world right now. These are crazy times. So without further ado, I give you Matt Hall, co-founder of Larva Labs and the creator of CryptoPunks. Enjoy. We're live. Thank you for making the time. Yeah, of course. Thank you. We had a brief talk a couple weeks ago, but I wanted to have you on just because I think what you're doing in the NFT world is just 
really interesting. So it's you and uh, your business partner are basically Larva Labs. Correct, yeah. And so you've created CryptoPunks, which we'll get to, but if we could just go back and talk about kind of your background in this world and how you got to this point in creating CryptoPunks and everything that's happened since then. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so me and my partner, John, basically have been working together for about 20 years or so and uh, have run a company together, Larva Labs, for about 16 of those years and have just always kind of enjoyed writing software. Basically, we just have done it all our lives, kind of met each other in college and uh, just kept working on projects together. And then some of those turned into a business, um, especially we were very early on um, mobile phone software. We worked on a phone called the uh, T-Mobile Sidekicks, what it, what it was called in the States. What was the Sidekick? It was like a, a pretty incredible device, really. It was like basically a proto smartphone. Um, it had a lot of the features that we now are, that are common in smartphones, but it existed really early on. And it was sort of marketed as almost a teen phone for yeah. teens, like about texting and about like, you know, instant messenger. And, but it had like basically everything that a smartphone had. It had a persistent always on network connection and it was really robust. Right. So you could be in like an, like an aim chat and go, you know, lose connection and come back and it was fine. It would cue the messages. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. 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 Whereas like, I think back then, you know, there, like a comparable smartphone would be like a trio something or another. Like and Palm you, from Palm. Yeah. And may Palm rest in peace. Exactly. And Palm had some super cool stuff too, but at least in this era to get on the network was like almost like dialing up to connect to the network yeah. and you download your email and then disconnect. Whereas this was basically connected all the time. It's so funny that that was like a thing because, you know, back then obviously yeah. things were very different because this is what mid two thousands. Yeah. I believe the the first version of that phone was released in 2000 or 2001. And then we started, uh, well, they basically released a developer kit for it and then had an app store for it. Um, and it was done through, what's called carrier billing so the whatever you bought would just appear right. on your phone right 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 um and so it was done in partnership with t-mobile and it was like a very early version of what we're all used to now as this huge business that's so funny as you think it's kind of like thinking about facebook which was like the you know whatever the 20th social media app or the 50th i can't remember what the number is but it's the social network now but it obviously wasn't even close to the first and t-mobile sidekick was like pre-iphone iphone <laughs> yeah yeah more or less it had some stuff that i still miss like it was a keyboard based phone and it had a lot of shortcuts so you'd get very fast with it and you could i would just use it to write email even if my computer was sitting there sometimes right uh, right right, which, right. Uh, it wouldn't necessarily do with an iphone or something like that no. today but um so yeah so we we basically like were one of like 30 developers for that phone you know there was it was a pretty small group of people that did it and we started the company basically the larva labs to have a company to receive the payment from the store. Like it's like, well, we need to open a bank account and, right. and get like these royalty checks. So that's why we formed the company. And then that went really well. And we basically went full time working on that. I mean, that's all we did for a few years was write apps for the sidekick. And uh, then Android came along and an iPhone, of course, and um, a portion of the company that made the sidekick, it's called, it's called the uh, company called danger. And a portion of that company left and started Android. Right. And so, and then Google bought them and obviously that became Android. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so we had a little, we knew some of those people a little bit and we, so we were working with Google early on and we, then as we kind of transitioned to doing iPhone and Android apps, uh, we did a lot of work with Google and, uh, we just kind of try to leave enough time in the year to do 
other stuff like and some of it could was just straight up experiments like this is just a funny idea or yeah. a cool idea we have, it's not a business there's no way and some would be attempts to like do a startup or actually like do something that would earn revenue so so sort of in that spirit about four years ago now was one of those experiments was the crypto punks and it was that was i would put that in the experiment category for sure <laughs> so what was the idea the initial idea so the idea was um came from the artwork basically was where it started and john was working on this character generator and we thought we'd use it for a phone app the initial idea was like maybe it'd be fun to have a collectibles app in your phone and you got a new one every day and you could trade them with your friends and that felt kind of fun but it felt like it was missing something a little bit and mm. that you know if we told you oh man this is the rare you just got the rarest one you're like okay like but all i have to know that for sure is you telling me like i can't i don't know that for sure you know yeah so there's just something a little lacking about the idea and it was around then we, we started like as we were working on the generator but we discovered ethereum found out that it was a whole platform for you know development and it could even run software on this blockchain and that was seemed pretty cool yeah so then we kind of figured out that oh these like tokens like the code that governs issuing of new tokens we could maybe modify that to refer to unique items right and so then if we pair that with some number of these things being generated by this algorithm like these punks then we could make like oh there's a new version of this kind of collectibles feeling it's like it's digital so it's kind of ephemeral but it's verifiable you know the number you can right. prove that it's rare that's kind of interesting that so, so that's kind of how it started in 2017 that was the same year that Crypto Kitties came out, right? Because that was the the first kind of what we now call NFT project that really caught fire, at least for a few weeks. Yeah. So the timeline there is that we released uh, CryptoPunks in like early summer, so June. Yeah. And then I think Crypto Kitties came out in the fall, and um, so and CryptoPunks went well, but then Crypto Kitties was like a phenomenon. You know, it took over Ethereum basically, and we thought like, oh damn you know like they <laughs> kind of swamped us here and everybody knows about crypto kitties and not everybody knows about crypto punks and do you have any sense of why crypto kitties got super popular and crypto punks while doing kind of fine didn't at least at that time that's an interesting question and i think i haven't thought about that directly too much but i would my guess would be that what crypto kitties had was like it was a more polished product at the time mm. like Ours was really like an experiment on our website. It was like a little hard to use. And, yeah. and they took that idea and were like, okay, what if we, you know, sort of level up some of these things, just make it feel more like a consumer product with the proper login. And, you know, you're getting proper right. notifications and all this kind of stuff, but also their dynamics, the way that they're like ours is a fixed set. And that was kind of our idea was like, yeah, there's 10,000 of these things. They are arrived completed. Like the set is done. We yeah. can't add anymore. There won't be anymore. And then CryptoKitties was not that. It was like you can make new ones and they're they're made in these interesting ways and you can, you know, create potentially new rare-ish ones. And and that that felt very dynamic, I think, at the time. And it felt a little bit more in the category of a game. And it made us maybe even think a little bit like, oh, is ours a little too simple to be sustainable? That it's like all you can do is buy and sell and own these things. Like, yeah. yeah, it's fine to sort of prove the concept, but maybe it's not enough to um engagement day to day. So CryptoKitties seemed to have that advantage at the time. And I think maybe long term now, like since we're several years out, that proved hard to sustain in the sense that there was a large supply of them. 
was one thing. Um, and it's just, it's sort of complicated to get into. So it's like, it is a bit of a game. So as long as there's enough people playing it, then it's worth getting into. But whereas ours, like, has just been the same since the beginning, basically. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, can you just explain what CryptoPunks are and like what the launch was? You mentioned the scarcity. I think that's one of the interesting aspects of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what they are is a piece of code that runs on the blockchain on Ethereum, which if you're not familiar with like what that means, what it specifically means is that we don't control it anymore and we don't even run it anymore. So it's run by this sort of group of people who come together and all verify that something is correct. Yeah. What's interesting about that is that when we released it, we said there's 10,000 of these things. It's in the contract. You can go see it. It's called a contract when it runs on, on Ethereum. Yeah. And you go take a look at it. And you say like, oh, there's the number. There's 10,000. And I can verify this can't be updated. There's no way to change it. So we're done here. Like this is this is the number. Um, and we sort of explicitly made there. there's no admin functions in that contract. There's no way for us to affect the operation of it, which is kind of a high wire act and that you have to get the thing perfect the first time out right you know? right 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 but if you do that then you have this thing that we haven't touched for four years now um it has certain sort of powerful advantages to do with like trustworthiness and so yeah. on but um but the first while <laughs> is is pretty scary because you're worried that there's going to be problems with it potentially and you can't really you release ten thousand, yep and you gave them away for free yeah, we kept the first 1,000 and we gave away 9,000. And so meaning like they just, people had to pay the network transaction fee, pay the, the fee to Ethereum, which at that point was uh, between 10 and 25 cents. Um, it's pretty cheap. Now it's right. kind of expensive because the network's really busy. So that was the price to get a CryptoPunk back then. And it didn't even go to us. We got nothing out of those 9,000. And the idea was, well, let's just not have there be, this is an experiment. Let's just not have there be any reason for people not to do it. You know, let's yeah, find yeah. out if people are into it. It'll, if it grows, it'll grow organically and let's give it every chance to do so. Um, and then the other part of that code is the is the marketplace. Because it was so early, there was no sort of third-party marketplace as there is today. So it, it needed mechanisms for bidding and for offering for sale and transferring them, you know, things like that. So, right. So there's also a fully functioning marketplace attached to it, which um, which also has no fees. We felt that was also important. So all those transactions are sort of as frictionless as you can be on the blockchain, at least. So there's 9,000, you release them, people, well, they're not even buying them, but they're paying the, the transaction fee to take ownership of them for, say, 25 cents or a couple bucks or whatever it was. Can you talk about, like, what's the volume of deals in terms of dollar value that has happened in the last two months? for crypto punks yeah well in yeah it's interesting because at first that was that number was zero like the first <laughs> few days it was really slow we literally couldn't give them away and then after a week or so it got discovered and there were some articles written about it and then it was it switched the free stuff you know the free uh, phase ended quickly and then it became the market secondary market and things started selling for a little bit of money you know you probably average price twenty dollars but some were we're selling for a couple thousand dollars which is pretty crazy yeah when you've just gone from this being i don't know whether this will work at all to somebody paying a thousand dollars or something seems amazing but then now fast forward almost four years later and i think the overall volume now is is 250 million dollars or something like that and probably 200 of that has been in the last two months 200 million dollars of people paying for crypto punks in the last two months 
Yeah. And of course, our <laughs> we get none of that because we take zero percent of fees, which is like, you know, now yeah, now that the numbers are substantial, it's like, well, that would have been nice, maybe. But uh, but I think also we stand by that decision, just in the sense that like it's partly I think why we're here, you know, that it felt like this yeah. kind of whole pure project. There, no reason not to uh, participate in it, for, at least in terms of that. So yeah, it's quite a it's been quite a ride. But you still have a thousand. Yeah, we have less now. We've sold some, but we still have the majority of them. Yep. And so, what's a new crypto like? What's the floor price for like a CryptoPunk now? If you have like I don't know eight or nine hundred of them, it varies. The floor price obviously fluctuates. Right now, it's about forty thousand dollars. So that's the cheapest CryptoPunk available on the market. Is forty thousand dollars. Forty times a thousand. Just doing my math. That's a lot of money potentially for you and your founder. Yeah, potentially. And it still feels like very theoretical in the sense that you'd have to sell them all to get to realize that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, but yeah, but it is, it is quite crazy. Yeah, it's been, and things have changed so dramatically just with the NFT world in the last couple of months. Well, so that's what I was going to ask. So if you're theoretically on 40 million-ish of these assets, is that just a complete mind i won't drop an f-bomb here but you know what i mean i mean that must be just completely weird to like two months ago be like oh this thing is actually gaining some momentum this is pretty cool to all of a sudden like oh my god this stuff we have that we created for free and gave away for free is now worth potentially tens of millions for us personally yeah it's uh yeah, it's it's crazy for sure. Like there's no other way to put it really. If you don't have something change that dramatically and it feel normal, that's for <laughs> sure. Um and I guess like what I would say is that there was a quiet period in this project that lasted about, you know, a year and a half or so where there was bead sales here and there, you know, and even we were buying them back because right. people were selling them for cheaply and we just felt like we had kind of convinced ourselves. We didn't really understand what it was when we first released it. It felt interesting, but we didn't really get it. But after talking to people about it, we kind of figured out, I think, what it was and then felt pretty strongly about it being a thing that really worked. And so our outlook on it turned into like, long term, this feels like something that's going to work. Right. And the time frame, I have no idea because right now it's a pretty small niche thing with like a, you know, a dedicated community that believes in it and is into it. But it might be a niche for a long time. Uh, it feels like long term it'll work out, but what does that mean in time? I don't know. And then, so then to have it suddenly sort of flip to be mainstream in the period of three months, like yeah, was was pretty crazy. Yeah. Voiceover describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. Voiceover on settings, so you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. And was there, and I've talked to a few people in the NFT world now, but do you have any sense of why NFTs just like exploded? Obviously, the Beeple sale was the big thing that caught everybody's attention, you know, $69 million for a digital art piece. But this started before then. Yeah, I think I think so, because we were seeing signs of adoption for, I would say now, certainly since the pandemic began, was yeah. when we started seeing a, an increase in activity. And we had seen sort of behavior of people that indicated that it could be a thing in the in the sense that people really felt ownership over these things and they felt like emotionally attached to them in a way that you would normally maybe only associate with like a physical ownership right but we were hearing people talking about how they hated to sell them and that it didn't matter what the price was there's no way i'm selling this and uh something they might have bought for forty dollars or gotten for free even and they're being offered all this money and they're like i can't do it you know really yeah that's pretty interesting and obviously not there have been lots of sales, but yeah, yeah. There were, I, we were hearing things like that. And, you know, and there's analogies to like, um, like Fortnite scans and other like massive marketplaces for sure. purely digital as well. That sort of, that sort of adjacent behavior as well. So we felt like there's some indications here, this could be possible. So maybe that was kind of all around like those kind of like conditions for this to work were around. And then the pandemic forced everybody to go online exclusively in mm. that accelerated that time frame that's a possibility so i guess the summary there is we saw some of the signs but when it actually did that ramp up when people decided that it was a thing was pretty dramatic and do you have a sense especially as kind of life gets back to quote unquote normal that this will kind of lose momentum because especially in the crypto world things kind of go crazy and then they crash and then they go crazy and they crash but generally the kind of trajectory is up and I don't know if you have a, are seeing any signs one way or the other, um, especially as, you know, vaccines roll out and people are actually leaving their houses again and not just glued to their computer all day long. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I don't know if the dramatic increase in time we spent online sort of drove the feeling of ownership or just, mm. you know, when people would get to go outside again and hang out with people, will it drop? I'm not sure. Like, I feel like we've discovered something here. Like, I mean, we meaning everybody. Yeah we've sort of all discovered the thing like we like this stuff, you know, like we, and we feel like we want to do it. And there's lots of reasons why people want to participate. Either they come from a collector's mentality and it's to them, it's an extension of sports memorabilia or right into art. And this is like an art market and so on. So there's lots of ways for people to want to get into it. Um, I don't know. Like I, I hesitate to make any short term predictions. I just feel like that's the thing that I'm kind of most focused on is that it feels like lots of people are participating in this because they want to because they feel like it's an interesting thing that kind of makes sense to them so i don't feel like that'll go away even when they have other options of things to do you know yeah we had uh the guy on the podcast uh this week who was part of the investment group who spent two hundred thousand dollars on the Le lebron james highlight the nba top shots mm -hmm. and he's 31 and he's been messing around with bitcoin since he was in his early 20s and for him 
there's no distinction. There's, I mean, he under, obviously understands there's a distinction between the kind of real world and the digital. But for him and his generation, especially, they're kind of like, well, we kind of grew up online. That line doesn't really exist in the way that it would for kind of older generations, which I do think is also part of this. Of Just like, yeah, it's digital, but like, so what? Might mean it's more valuable, not less. There's a good argument for that, for sure. And that was the you know, in the earliest days of this, when we would talk to people related to the art world, the question would be like, well, if I can't put this on my wall, like, why would I even want to own it? Like, forget about the technology for a moment that makes it possible. Like, why would I want to own it? I can't enjoy it, right? Even show it off to people or make it a part of my home, you know, that is part of my identity. But I think what that missed was that for a lot of people, their identity exists primarily online already. This is going to be something that comes out of that. You know, they're already focused on the likes on Instagram and how they're perceived in various ways there. So this is an extension of that. It feels very natural. It's not that question doesn't come up as much as it used to. It basically doesn't come up at all anymore because I think the people who are into it now are like, like you're saying, just find it totally natural. Yeah. 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 And do I mean, I know that blockchain is anonymous, but um, do you know who I mean, obviously, the Figma founder is the one who spent, was it 7.6 million on um, one of the crypto punks. But do you know who this, I mean, is there a kind of a generalization you can make about who is buying this stuff? Is it generally younger people or is people from the art world or creative industries? Or do you have any sense of that? Yeah, it's changed dramatically in the past few months is uh, also what's kind of interesting about it. And uh, yeah, it was the founder of Figma who sold an alien. Yeah, Um, that's right, right. Yeah. And But what we're seeing is like it's starting to, it just kind of crossed over into being almost a cultural thing. And so it went from being, you know, for the previous three years of the project, it's been people who are into crypto and then into this, you know? Yeah. And now it's turned into like a cultural thing. It's like a thing to own, like a piece of art or a rare collectible Mm. or something. So it's just, it's just all across the spectrum. We've heard, you see people online who are just, famous youtubers and people who you know it's just really it's really gone across the whole spectrum which is also makes me think that it's something that will will have a life to it because we always wondered a little bit like is this just a niche of cryptocurrency which is kind of a niche within the world but since it's almost become the way in which crypto is bridging into the real world because it has this cultural attachment to it yeah and just personally and i don't know how well you have done up to this point with your company and various things you've been doing. But like, did you ever think this thing could potentially bring you life changing money, like never have to work again type money? (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah. yeah, It's, it's pretty funny, because we always like, you know, we've tried to do mobile startups, right? We were super early on mobile. So we, we had some things we were working on in the early days of Android. And we we saw people we knew become very successful yeah, yeah. in the early days. And then that that window kind of closed a bit and it became extremely competitive on the app store. And we were like, well, guess that's over, you know. Yeah, and missed then, that boat. Missed that boat, you know, and felt kind of <laughs> stupid about it in retrospect because we were like, oh, like that's what we should have done. And obviously it's in retrospect, yeah, right? Yeah. That's the whole point. But um, not really thinking in those terms. And this project wasn't made in, with that in mind. Like some of those other apps we made, we thought like, okay, this is an experiment, but it could really, it could turn into something. And this wasn't created with that in mind. So it's surprising of all the things that we've attempted. And there's been a lot um, that this is the one that has gotten this kind of life to it. What's a lot? Like how many different schemes and ideas and projects and companies have you guys done? 
it's like a, like a lot. Like we <laughs> tried to put it together because we didn't really even have a record of it. We'd just make stuff and then throw it away. And at some point, you know, it, we realized like, well, this is going to be a kind of our career. We should at least know what we've been, what we've made, you yeah. know, like, um, so that even just for, as an example, for the sidekick back then, we made, I think 30 something apps just for that in the first three years. Wow. And then since then, I mean, there's probably been another maybe 20 things or something like that. I don't know. We tried to collect a bunch of them and put them on our website. And after a while, I was just like, well, let's just do the highlights because some of them truly are like experiments and they they've been embarrassing because they were designed to test something <laughs> didn't work <laughs> we didn't didn't really put in the effort yeah, around yeah. the edges to make it look nice so we're like let's not, let's not highlight that one but uh <laughs> but certainly like yeah quite a few things we've kind of we like to joke that we've kind of like done one of everything people will ask us like a question about something like oh yeah i remember we tried this one thing related to that so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, quite a few things <laughs> um and is this it for you for NFTs? Or are you guys working on something else? Because it sounds like, as you say, the deeper you've got into this, you guys have obviously been doing this longer than virtually everybody. The more people you talk to and kind of understand why people are buying this stuff, it seems to have redoubled your conviction that this is a thing. So are you going to be doing other things? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and we've been working on something new for a little while. We have a follow-up project at CryptoPunks, which we released in uh, 2019, called the Autoglyphs. And uh, the Autoglyphs, yeah. Then that's um, that was a reaction almost to what we had been talking about when the questions we were getting about what is this thing and what is, especially specifically the question of what is on the blockchain, which was a big concern in the early mm. years of this project. Like, is the art on the blockchain was sort of one of the big questions we would get, and the answer is kind of no. There's a link to the art, but the actual images are not stored there yeah. and they're widely available and they're provable that they're the ones that are represented by the blockchain, but, but the images themselves weren't on there. So we thought like, well, it'd actually be interesting to be able to answer yes to that question. Like, mm. yes, everything is on the blockchain. So that's what the autoglyphs are. They're a, a generative algorithm and the output from that is stored all in the blockchain as a permanent record. And these so, are kind of other types of characters. These are not characters. This is a more like abstract generative art. Oh, sort okay. of a, sort of an homage to the early days of computer generative art oh i see because the blockchain is like not doesn't have that much computational muscle it's like because everybody does every calculation yeah you kind of can't do that much it's actually quite expensive so it's very limited so it's in many ways it's similar to the very earliest days of computers when they're they just didn't have many capabilities so yeah sort of the art looks like a little bit from that era as well um oh i see i see yeah so that was that's what we did in 2019. It has become quite successful too. There's it's a limited set. It's only 512 of them, but they're quite expensive now too. And I think it's sort of a different audience that's into those. What is quite expensive? Like, what do you mean? Um, um, I think they're the cheapest one of those is probably around eighty thousand dollars. And the most expensive? Uh, the most expensive is I'd have to look. I think it's uh, definitely several hundred thousand dollars. Wow, uh, if not more. Yeah, and there's some rarity built into those as well, um, just by the way that the algorithm works and, right. and stuff like that. Um, so that's been and that's been interesting to see that as well. Um, and it's and even generative art has kind of found a home on the blockchain mm. now. There's a I'd say a much larger fan base of generative art, which we didn't see as something that might happen back right. when we made the autoclips. We thought it would be a pretty limited audience for it, so we made a fairly small set. And did you keep any of those? 
Yep, we kept some of those too. So same model. Actually, this one, we actually charged some money for it, but we donated the money to um, a climate change charity. Oh, cool. So we couldn't just straight give it away because we, enough people knew about it, knew about us from the uh, the CryptoPunks that it would have just been grabbed by the first person yeah. out there. So we wanted to have a little bit of a of a reason to not just go crazy on it. So, right, um, right. so that was a nice way to kind of do that. Right. And so can you talk about what's next or is that still uh, under wraps? Still under wraps, but um, but it's another sort of reaction to what just sort of as we learn about this stuff and as we've been sort of maintaining and running the CryptoPunks through these years and just watching what people do with them and what they wish they could do with them. And so a lot of the, what we're working on now, I think, will be attempting to address some of the um, some of the shortcomings of what's just, you know, in the market in general, like what you can't do with NFTs right now. Right. Is our hope, at least. Cool um have you splurged at all have you like got like a sports car or the kind of like (laughs) that's what's also hilarious about all this is that it's still like pandemic right so i'm just like (laughs) everything's exactly the same like everything's just you know the everything else has changed and everything that like in my immediate vicinity is exactly the same yeah Um, yeah. i bought a new mouse that was it that's pretty exciting i bet you it's a beautiful mouse It's really, it's really one of the best mice you can get. I mean, I think it was sixty-five dollars, which is, I mean, quite that's, a bit. That's a, a that's an expensive mouse. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Well, look, that, it's super interesting. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time, and um, yeah, let us know when your next thing is unveiled. We'll do. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. And that is all the time we have. I want to thank Matt for taking the time to talk about all things CryptoPunks. Um, don't you wish you would have made some? I sure do. Or I wish I would have got some for, you know, 10 cents back in 2017. What did I know then? Anyhow, um, thank you for listening. Um, if you haven't, please just take a moment right now. Give a rating and review to the podcast. It really does help. And if you've already done that, thanks. Um, I'll be writing about a whole bunch of techie type stuff in the Sunday time. So do pick up the paper or log in at thetimes.co.uk or find me on the Twitters at Danny Fortson. You can email me with any questions, concerns, comments, suggestions, ideas for guests, whatever at danny.fortson at sunday-times.co.uk. That is all for me this week. I hope you guys have a fabulous weekend and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. The train is now approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers, airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.